I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning. And you are listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Jason, uh, before we get into the conversation, I feel so for for our listeners that are avid listeners and listen as soon as we put these out, you may have noticed we didn't put anything out last week. But Jason, I feel like a injured runner or athlete, you know, where you where you feel like you pulled something and then you you're like, okay, I can get through this. And then you start running again and then you pull it again. You're like, oh, nope, can't get can't get going yet. You reminded you're not 20 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's like uh, we had taken a break a few weeks ago and then got back into the swing of things and thought I could get through the rest of the year. And then it's just like, nope, got to take, take a little time off again. Good. So just trying to limp through the rest of this year. <laughs> so I've always thought you're, you're a bit of a limper. It's okay. <laughs> Not at all, man. You got a you got a full plate. You got a heavy plate. Yeah. So, uh, so bear with us as we get through the rest of this year. Uh, still putting out as best content as we can, but may need a break here and there. So, but today I wanted to talk about something that's going on and touch back on expand on a conversation that we had earlier because I think it's a little bit different than what we had originally started to discuss in our episode on the mass exodus. I think we were kind of framing it a lot around at the time, sort of the realization of the pandemic and um, a lot around 
frustrations within architecture and things like that, uh, or, or the industry in, in general. And then the realization that through the pandemic, we can do a lot of the work from home and people pushing for these types of benefits and things. But I think it's something even bigger happening right now. So last, I think Thursday and Friday, there were a lot of strikes happening. And I think there's more strikes planned through a lot of different companies through uh, through October. Uh, so far, it was like John Deere, Southwest, Kellogg, and who else was it? I think Starbucks or something, right? Yeah, and then there was conversations of Starbucks employees organizing, um, sort of going towards the route of unionizing. Um, and I think they're trying to break that up. But so I think there's. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other, the other thing, too, you know, I know it's I know this comes out Tuesday, right? But uh, we're recording today, Monday. There's a statewide school sit out going on as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're participating in that where you have a lot of teachers because of the California mandate. So for a lot of people that aren't in California, there's a mandate that Newsom put out about uh, mandatory vaccinations and all that kind of stuff. So whether it's public charter or private, my wife said the traffic around the schools this morning was almost non-existent. Hmm. So there's a lot of people that are sitting out. And ultimately what I think like you take like Southwest, you take some of these guys and whatever, and Delta, especially Delta is the one that's walked back their mandate a little bit. I don't know if you saw that too. So I saw that they did it and like 99% of their employees had complied initially is what the report that I heard. No, it wasn't that high. No, I mean, that's, that's a media spin. So what had happened was they had mandated and then they had the same issue, not quite as, um, as um, publicized as Southwest, but um, they had a lot of people that were making them miss a bunch of flights. Um, and because they didn't have the people to come in. And so they've thus since the CEO has walked back the mandate to what, what a lot of the companies are doing. It's either the, the card, the Vax card, or having to show a negative test type of deal, mm-hmm. like pretty consistently. Like that seems like the other thing. So, but they, they walked their, theirs back recently. And so I think the idea with the California sit out, one is to show unity, just like maybe the Starbucks people are starting to, to try and create. Um, but the other thing is you got to hit them with the pocketbook. Like if you want to change things, like, unfortunately, like that's the only way is to, is to affect the monetary side. So I think it'll be really interesting, like for Southwest to see what they're going to do because they have taken a beating, like an absolute beating. Uh, so who I was thinking of, actually, I think it was United oh, okay. who, who had a high percentage, at least that's I what they were touting. That's that what I, they're touting. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. So where I think this becomes interesting, I think it's this sort of massive shift of society happening right now where, you know, the, the people are trying to take, they've seen success in a lot of different ways. Although I know some people complain about cancel culture. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the opposite now. Like it's no, 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 no. I, Cause I think what cancel culture is, is the people taking back power. And okay. I think that has been an example. And a lot of people, have had enough and they see the the power that they have with social media and being able to organize through mm-hmm. social media and mm-hmm. these movements that happen much faster than in the past. And they're starting to try to take back power from whoever the powers that be are. And it's not necessarily just a vaccine thing or no. anything. There's yeah. people are looking for better benefits, better yep. hours, yep. better pay because pay has been stagnant. 
so there's this, and inflation's this, going way up. So whatever pay you're getting, yeah, ain't worth anything. <laughs> yeah, and and then with the advent of the internet, obviously, and access to information, people see the amount of money that CEOs are making and high executives, the amount of money that they're bringing in, and the golden parachutes on the way out, and all the bad things that they do. Uh, all of this stuff is coming to light, and there's it feels like there's this massive groundswell that I mm -hmm. think is going to be going on for a little while mm -hmm. of people trying to take back power and control and push back on things that have really happened since the eighties. Oh yeah. Dude, this has been a long time coming, but I think like, I think when you look at it, you have to go kind of historical on a lot of these things. Right. Because I think we've brushed on it before too. When you have countries that are like a superpower or government, that's like a, has been a superpower because government's at the top of that. Um, you know, that's roughly every couple hundred years it, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, historically will rotate and crumble and build back up. We're like 250 or 270 into this run. Um, so if you look at things from historical nature, which man, I wish I would have paid more attention in history, you know, in school these days, but we're, you're due, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because what has happened over those 250 years or whatever is, is the government um, or, you know, the classes have, have gained more power towards the top. You know what I mean? Consistently, which which is normal. Like that's going to happen in a capitalist society. I don't think it's wrong. That's just what happens. And so you're you've got people that are trying to go for a resettling of that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I don't have a problem with the CEOs and those guys making grips of money because I think they do things differently than the average Joe or Jane or however you know or whatever else the names are I'm supposed to use these days. But it's it's um, I, I'm more so interested on the the government side where I feel like there's a lot of overreach going on, which is what a lot of these guys are fighting against right now. A lot of the things that you mentioned have to do with mandates and, um, you know, being forced to do different things. And you probably had to do historically given a certain subset of time and, um, requirement, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I think, I think it's a very interesting, interesting, interesting time period. And it's going to, and here's the other thing too. Like there's a lot of people that are standing up, which I think is great. It's going to get worse for the next year with supply chains and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it'll be very interesting to see how strong people stand when their comfort starts to get very uncomfortable. Um, and the reason I talk about that is because you look at certain things like we talked about inflation. One of the things that I watch a lot is uh, the cost of corn, believe it or not. And, you know, it'd be interesting to have Ali back on here one day, but to talk about this, but the cost of corn has skyrocketed about 170% in the last couple of months. The scary thing, people are sitting there like, I don't even need corn. Like, who cares, right? <laughs> yeah. Bro, corn is in everything, like legit everything. So when you look at those types of numbers and the cost of that and what they're doing, and the government works on that a lot because there, there's some, I can't remember what it's called, but they basically subsidize farmers to destroy crop because of yeah. whatever that is. Um, there's been a lot of that going on. Um, and so it's it's going to make the cost of goods skyrocket, not to mention the fact that we can't get anything out of ports, so we can't ship anything out that we can't, I mean, it's going to be dicey. Like it's yeah. going to be really, really dicey. Consequently, gun sales are back up again. Go figure. Um, so it's, it's going to, it's there, there's a struggle. There's a power struggle right now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's going to, I, I have no idea what to expect. Um, I'm excited and scared at the same time. So before we move on historic, the, you mentioned historically, mm -hmm. what does this sound like? So it says, uh, this is a period in time where European politics, philosophy, science, and communications were radically reoriented during the course of the long 
18th century as part of a movement referred to by its participants as the Age of Reason or simply the Enlightenment. Enlightenment thinkers in Britain and France throughout Europe questioned traditional authority and embraced the notion that humanity could be improved through rational change. So I wonder how many years that was going on, you know, before it got to there, right? So it yeah, says at least the 18th century, but 1685 through 1815. Fits my time period. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Sounds a lot like what you have going on now. Yeah. Now, you know, on the other side of this, where I assume the people will win out. Okay. And I hope that we don't continue to be disrupted by bad actors that are pitting people against people, uh, which is happening right now, which is the unfortunate part, I think, of people targeting each other of what the cultural clashes that are happening. Sure. That's just a distractor from what is the real goal for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so these people that are arguing about where you're from and what your religion is and your color of your skin, all of that stuff, all those arguments are just breaking up the, the potential movement that can happen overall. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully that subsides at some point very soon because it detracts from what needs to happen is a real conversation about class structure. And um, on the other side of that, if we can get to, to that point of having this conversation about class structure, and I don't think it needs to be to the point of war and taking it by force. I think it's a matter of getting money out of politics and putting people in place that are actually there for good reasons and not just to line their own pocketbooks. You can yeah. do that through voting. You can do that through organizing, but you have to get all the other stuff out of the way because I think if you can get to that point, then we can start to have real conversations about policy that pleases everybody. I think that's fair. I think, you know, if I was to change, like wave my magic wand, right? And, mm -hmm. and be able to change one thing that I think would have the largest impact on anything, term limits. If you yeah. instituted term limits, call it eight years. Like, I don't even care. I think that's fine, right? Couple of four, you know, just like the presidency, right? Four and mm -hmm. then with the ability to win another four. If you had term limits, I think you would change... You, you would you would have the ability to see change if that yeah. makes sense in a much in a much more I don't want to use the term civil but that's all that's coming to mind but in a much more civil and um, forward motion way you mm -hmm. know what I mean it, these lifetime you know quote unquote policymakers is yeah. insanity because they have no no concept of reality yeah. no concept of reality and look I don't like I'm all dude I'm a hundred percent about people making money like I, I, but there's no way you can go into something making $150,000 a year or $200,000 a year <laughs> and be worth millions and millions and millions of dollars when you come out. It's yeah. impossible. And like, I don't, the best investors in the world can't do that. You know what I mean? And so I think because of that, you have corruption mm -hmm. and corruption isn't mean like you're trying to kill people, but there's, you're not following the rules that are set forth is really what corruption means. You have access to information that others don't well 100%. in advance, like the, the person that invested in the Zoom right before the pandemic took over. That's amazing, isn't it? Wonderful timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think you should be able to invest while you're holding office, I, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, but I think if you're, you know what, I would, I would even say like if you had term limits, 
Yeah. I would have less of a feeling about that. You know what I mean? Like, because maybe that's one of the benefits of getting in there for four or eight years and, and doing that duty or whatever, because you're going to have to shift your focus later on or who, you know, who knows. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I think you can get some youth in there that you don't see. Otherwise, I think the youth that can get in there isn't overly impressionable by favors and such as I think some of the youth that's gotten in there are uh, just because you can see in their actions and such about how out of touch they are with reality. Um, And they're being bought. You know what I mean? Like it's, and I know people will say, Oh, you don't know that for sure. I don't know that for sure, but I, I watch people. Like I'm really good about people. And it's like, I can see by your demeanor and how you act and how you act under pressure. If you Mm -hmm. really have the wherewithal to be able to do those things, chances are you don't based off of what I've seen. Right. And so I think term limits would be the biggest thing. Now it's going to be ultimately very difficult in the class structure thing, because I don't care what anybody says when people have power, you ain't giving it up. Like Mm -hmm. it's just not going to happen. You know, nobody's like, Oh yeah, solid, better good. Like I'm in hundred percent. Right. Um, that's not going to happen. So I don't know. It goes back to the old thing I was saying. It's either burned down or it's a complete exodus. One of the two has to happen in order to be able to restructure that. Well, I think we have a good structure. I think it's a good, like the constitution and everything are a good starting place, a good framework. Uh, the constitution is the basis of the greatest country in the entire world. I think the people that are there right now uh, need to read should it. Be, <laughs> should, should, should probably be removed across the board. And I think that you can do that through organizing. And I think at this period of time, the connectedness of society will help in that power struggle because yeah. there's more information available. There's faster ways to yeah. connect and, and organize. So I, I don't think it has to be this burned down necessarily, but I think it's an organization and shedding of all of the nonsense in order to, to have a real conversation. I think, I think the burn down is happening And the reason. <laughs> and, and here's, and here's why I say that. And I'm not saying it has to be like complete pitchfork scenarios and all this kind of stuff and whatever, but I do think that's coming because I think there's only like, you know, we were talking about some of the stuff that I'm dealing with. There's only so long you can keep a lie going. You know what I mean? Like people that, you know, there's that old, it's better to die with a lie than to whatever. Right. Well, yeah, but you have to keep that going. And the string of people that are involved in a lot of different events right now and a lot of different undertakings. And there's, there's a lot of truth that I think is going to start coming out to stuff in the next five to 10 years. It's not immediate. It's not this year. It's not next year. Um, As people, you know, get, because you look at our government, they're aging, right? Like, so as, as that stuff starts happening, they want to like start to cleanse their soul. Like this is normal, right? It's like reading your last rites on your deathbed, like all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think secrets are going to start coming out. And, and I think that's going to aid in this change, this radical change to where people look and go, okay, we can't do, as long as we get, as long as we stay away from communism, we're going to be able to have, we're going to be able to have this happen. And it's a generational change, which goes back to the same thing that we've been talking about our own industry. Mm-hmm. When you have that generational cycle, you know what I mean? You can, it's not like they've got lies. That's not my point, but you know, you can have new ideas and fresh takes and, and, and some different forward movement that maybe you weren't willing to do before. Mm-hmm. You can flip that to the government side. Now you're going to usher in a new ability for these guys to implement their own ideas and their own structures and everything else, because you're going to have a dying generation that's leaving. 
I mean, you, you watch one of these hearings or whatever, and you see these people in there, and you're like, bro, that guy's gonna, that guy or that gal is gonna drop dead any minute. Like they're so yeah. old, you know? I mean, it's like, oh, like, are they sleeping or are they dead? Which one? You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. And so I think, I think that's going to naturally occur. And hopefully it just happens in a very non-confrontational manner. So we don't have the quote unquote burn down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but it's 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 curious man because even even the voting scenario like enough people question these days does your vote really even matter anymore because they feel like you know maybe things are slighted one way or the other or they're being manipulated or whatever um Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a curious situation so two things one i don't think anyone wants to go towards communism that is a (laughs) a call to arms branding thing that a certain group is doing to rile up others no one wants to go that route but i think capitalism needs some revisiting to to adjust how we do things a little bit because there's far too many people being left out and we've had side conversations about you know population is growing uh, around the world mm-hmm. we have to relook at how we do things because you can't the way that capitalism is structured, you leave far too many people behind, which is why the homeless population is rising. When you have the population grow as much as it is, it's going to, there's only so much that people can take. So you getting more does actually, we're, mm-hmm. we're basically an organism, you getting more does take from someone else. Agreed. And so we the have to, re, mm-hmm. yeah, so we have to revisit how that works exactly. Um, but I, I don't think anyone wants full-blown cap, uh, communism. <laughs> so I, I yeah. hope we can try to curb that at some point. The, these, you know, call to arms, branding type, you know, sell people, get people riled up type things. Uh, I hope we can stop that because that's not accurate at all. Um, and then the second thing I wanted to mention that I saw this weekend was this really cool uh, series on Vice. I think it's called While the Rest of Us Die. And they did an episode called uh, uh, Conspiracy Theories, hmm. and it breaks down all the conspiracy theories throughout the United States, which was really cool and interesting. And it and they tied it into kind of how this whole thing is leading up to right now, um, which also kind of got me thinking this way and uh, talking about how easily, um, as all of this stuff had started to be uncovered, like you mentioned, these truths come out. Uh, you lose more and more trust in the mm-hmm. government mm-hmm. and it makes it so much easier mm-hmm. to do these, um, you know, the election was a was a lie and all that stuff and people buy into it so mm-hmm. much quicker mm-hmm. because there have been past instances of that. So that's kind of what we're seeing right now and this rise to this moment. Um, okay, so we are going to come back to this conversation on Thursday. So please come back and check with us at that time if you're interested in us continuing. I do want to get to some positive parts of this and what this could look like on the outside. So hang back with us uh, on Thursday and we'll continue to talk then. But in the meantime, uh, thanks for hanging out with us today and we'll talk on Thursday. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts 
or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLamey, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.